What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the One Deeper Podcast. This week, I have Dr. Peter Hendricks. Peter has been on the show before, and he was probably one. I think was the first guest. Can't remember, but he's always been like a real mentor to me, and uh, it's always so much fun talking to him. And he's always so generous with his time. And this episode, we talk about something that he and I both really uh, <laughs> like and think about a lot entropy and if you listen to the pay, ep, the episode where we was journal club and we talked about psychological entropy paper a paper about conceptualizing anxiety from an entropy framework it might have been kind of esoteric and difficult to follow but here we sort of talk about more about entropy more about the, the statistics and of course we go on random tangents but we try to keep it on the topic and it was a really awesome conversation Looking forward to many more with Peter, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Guest has reappeared. No, actually, uh, Travis. I think no. I think it was Ryan. Was the second? Ryan. Ryan was the because like I think it was Ryan. Anyway, I'm recording. It doesn't matter. Yeah, All I right. think the, the second, the first person to appear twice was, is Marine. Pretty sure, because I, I made a recording with him about all about just learning how, and how it happens in the brain. Awesome, right. that's really cool. But uh, welcome back. This, has been, this is awesome. Thanks for, uh, Thanks for finally managed to get you to get you to sit down here. Hey, give me one of those mints. You want you want a <laughs> mint? There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I mean, this is essential for the viewers, right? Yeah, for <laughs> everyone needs to know that we that we're keeping our uh, breath nice and. Frosty, Jesus! Why is this exactly? Seems, that's what I was wondering. Like so the, the design seems to be. Uh, God damn it! Uh, open to optimization. Whatever <laughs> doesn't matter. Okay, so that was a nice little detour. Of me trying to get a spin out. Um, what did I want to talk to you about? Okay, couple of things. First of all, I want to talk to you about. In I want to be, uh, talk like I get like a. Like a lame, not a lame, but about like a very reasonable conversation about about information theory. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it keeps showing up everywhere. Like over the past two and a half years now, I've been in the program. It has shown up in some shape or form in at least one class every semester. What what classes has it showed up in? So first of all, computer vision, mm-hmm. huge. Right now in computational linguistics. Right, that makes sense. Uh, then in Interview AI 1, AI 2, uh, stats, not really, but like just understanding statistics was helpful. I mean, there was some example, I can't remember, but like somehow it showed up. Um, even if it wasn't like every semester, at least several semesters. So I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. It's sort of this overarching thing that yeah, keeps yeah, coming yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now before we go there... I don't know. I don't even know if this is a good question, mm-hmm. but can we talk about randomness? Can we talk about randomness? Yeah, sure. Like, what is it? What is it? What like? People, people seem to have have this vague sort of idea of what random is, but there's like you can quantify it in different ways or like very specific ways depending on what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So, what is randomness? <laughs> what what would you say the different options are with it? Well, 
for me, when I think of randomness, I think of a probability distribution of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Or like just so you have I, I mean I think of it it's like okay, when I say random, I'm thinking a random uh, some variable, right, which can take some number of values. Mm-hmm. And every time you look at that variable, it can be a different number. Oh, I was thinking about so I'll be dude, I've been thinking about this all week, right? I don't think about like what I like what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. A random variable at any one observation is not random, right? That's uh, and this is it's, <laughs> it's not just it's not just at that level. Like let's say we're talking about language. Yeah. Let's say I'm trying to transmit a message to you. For me, it's not random at all. I know what I want to say. It's been generated very deliberately in my brain. However, for you, it's completely random, right? Yes. You have no idea which of a number of possible words is going to show up next in yes. my sentences. Yes. But okay, cool. So like even if a variable any okay, anything can take a random bunch of different values, right? At the point of observation, it's not random anymore. Right? Because it's, it's taken a definite value. It's no longer random. Yes. Right? That's... So, uh, to... A thing is random over some sequence of events. Does it's, that kind of make sense? And, and, and in a time-sensitive way, right? It's like in, in the way like you just described. It's right. random until it's not. Right. So, like... So, when you say... Of, let's say uh, you're measuring someone's height, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a random, uh, randomly distributed, randomly distributed. Let's say a num something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you're saying is, if you sample enough people, mm-hmm. right, you will get a different value every single time. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Let's say we're sampling a population of people, and you want to get the the height of each mm-hmm. person, right? The height is a random variable. Mm-hmm. And you can take a bunch of different values within some within some range of things that can happen. Yep. Okay. But does it make sense to say that an individual observation of height is random? It doesn't. Like, it, it's sort of defined by the distribution, right? Randomness. It's well, yeah. There, there might be parameters in play, right? Like there might be this predefined space in which random events are able to take place. Right. Yes. It does not have to be an. I, I mean, I could. Like actually, I'm I'm thinking about it. Could I come up with an example where something would not be defined by any predefined distribution? And I don't think I could. I suppose distributions are in place that sort of govern the randomness within certain limits, right? Yeah, that you know, like that's really. I don't know why this thought blew my mind, but when it occurred to me yesterday or two days ago, like at the point of observation, nothing is random. Right? It's determined. It's been exactly. like it's, exactly. it's it has happened. Right. And this is this is actually. I hope you don't mind me transitioning into entropy right away. No, no, no. I'm go pretty for it, enthusiastic go about it. it. Go, for, go um, for it. Go for it. Yeah. So this is this is exactly the concept of where entropy comes into play, right? Like entropy is the average amount of information you're gonna get from the next event. Mm, it's not the amount of information in the actual event that you observe. Wait, what? So if you let's say I'm talking to you, mm. and at this point I stop. And you don't know what the next word is going to be. Yeah. So you have this, this random distribution of what it could be. Yes. There's a couple of words that could follow stop here. Yes. If I continue my sentence the way I wanted to, which was stop my sentence, my would be the next words. 
and that would be given you a certain amount of information. But that's only after you know it's my. Then you've got a specific amount of information that you got, namely how much my differs from your expectations or how much it mm. meets your expectations. Right, right. So does it, does it have to be defined in terms of what you already expect to happen? No, that would be information. Okay. Entropy would be how much new information on average do you expect once I'm at stop. So you make a distribution over all the possible events, their relative probabilities, and calculate the average amount of information that you're going to get rather than the, like the average amount of information you're going to get. The entropy turns into information once I say my. Oh. But before that, it's, it's like this uncertainty, which is, again, governed by certain rules, right? Okay, There's, okay, okay. This is good. This is good. All right. So one of the, so I stared at this one over this uh, log base two of probability mm -hmm. equation. Yep. Maybe for like two hours uh, a few weeks ago, I was like, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, this is such an insanely good idea. Like, like <laughs> you know, because like it's so simple. I mean, it's mm -hmm. so, like the graph is it's so simple. It's this log, uh, this inverted uh, log yep. curve. It stops at um, one. And so the idea is simple. The more surprising something is, the more information it has. Exactly. And interestingly, that the amount of information that it can have is unbounded somehow. So like the like because because okay, but because that graph, it's not defined at zero. No, it it's uh it's unbounded in in sort of a, like a theoretical manner, but in practice, like any situation you would be in in life, there's not an unlimited amount of uncertainty, right? Mm. There's something in like, there, there are predefined expectations where if I start my sentence and I stop it at some point, then there's a limited set of options. It's not gonna be the case that there's an infinite number just because you don't have an infinite number of words. Mm. And the same goes in other fields, like the number of, possibilities generally speaking is bounded hmm okay okay okay, okay. all right let, let, let's take a step back okay let's, so let's, do you want to like just like okay just talk about information theory like there are a couple of, there's there's shallow information mm -hmm. i mean there, there there's a couple of different terms and i'm not sure if they're all referring to the same things like mm -hmm. there's surprise like mm -hmm. Shannon definition yep. of, of surprise, yep. the, Shannon, the Shannon information, mm -hmm. the entropy. I, I feel like they're all referring to the same thing, but I'm not quite sure. So surprise, surprise, and uh, information are the same thing. Okay. They're like mathematically defined as equivalent. Okay, okay. okay. Um, entropy, as I said, is the average amount of information or the average amount of surprise you're going to get for an unknown event. Mm. So it's sort of, in, in, in a conceptual sense, I guess it's similar to a probability distribution where you know that certain events are going to come out, except now you weigh it for how often each event occurs. You take a log such that it can now be expressed in bits, which is really cool. Yes, yes. That's, so I'll, that's I'll, I'll actually explain that concept. Okay, cool. I mean, and then was it Stephen Hawking that calculated the amount of space in a black hole? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. That's one of the things you could use it for if you're an insane genius. Yeah, yes. right? So like, you know, I was, I don't know why, like it seems surreal to me that I get to walk around thinking about these things and not be homeless. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the fact that I'm like, you know, like being useful, and like making, like earning some money and like still, you know, like, 
of a reasonably respectable uh, person. Luckily for us, there's different levels at which yeah, you yeah, want to exist. Right, yeah. right. So it's like, so I was thinking this complete random tangent, right? I was like, okay, so using information theory, you can quantify everything as information, right? Yeah. The entire universe is just information, like light, okay? And I was like, what happens, up, what's up with black holes? Like, it just destroys information, right? Like, but if you think about it, but if information can't be destroyed, I was like, like a stupid naive idiot. And I was like thinking, you know what, what, like, what if, if you think, like, let's think, think about like a, like a Python program, right? Mm -hmm. That returns some function, some, some, some yep. value, okay? Like, what if we, what, like, what if that's what a black hole is? It's like it's just a return. It's just a return, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a return statement, <laughs> you know. Like our universe is doing a bunch of computation, it's generating a bunch of information, and some and for some reason they they it gets sucked out into some other thing and be like we have no idea where it's going. Like <laughs> imagine if I was a function in Python in Python and I'm getting a bunch of inputs, okay, I'm reading a bunch of stuff, and then like it just goes somewhere. <laughs> Like it just returns. I like, have no idea. Think about it in, in, in real life too, right? And I'm, I'm again going to pull it back to language because yeah. that's where, where yeah. my expertise is. Um, where does that information go, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm a sender. I'm trying to send you a message by talking to you, your receiver. You're trying to reduce uncertainty about what I'm trying to say. Um, you've done that. You've reduced the uncertainty. You've come to a pretty decent representation of what I was trying to convey as a message. And then where does that information go, right? Like once you've processed this, once you've internalized this, like it's stored in some way in your brain in patterns, like you've learned something, right? Mm. Like try to connect yeah, this yeah, to what yeah. Dr. Marine told you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, but your brain is doing, it's not like not everything you learn gets, gets. Exactly. And what happens in that case? Where did, where did that information go, right? Mm. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. You wanted this to be deep. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just thinking about like, I was just thinking, because, okay, I want to talk about a bunch of stuff, like distributions. Yep. Um, uh, fascinated by distributions. But, okay. First of all, mm -hmm. what was your PhD thesis about? My PhD thesis was about language learning. Okay. Uh, so basically, trying to come up with an interpretable algorithm uh, like sort of deliberately steering away, uh, steering away from deep learning, uh, okay. which makes it very hard to interpret what's going on in like a cognitive sense. What the aim was sort of, can we make a simple neural model that meets the requirements of what we know about human language processing from cognitive science, from behavioral patterns, from brain patterns, but less directly. Can we do that? And if we do that, how much do we lose in terms of accuracy and how much do we gain in terms of interpretability mm. so when when was you know, Shannon Shannon wrote this as his master's thesis right what a what a what a ball <laughs> like you know like <laughs> what a guy like, and in in an era where none of this was anywhere near his existing knowledge, right? right like right, right, right now, it would be relatively easy for someone to come up with his idea because yeah, we're surrounded yeah. by concepts that are similar in spirit or similar in vain. He came up with this out of basically nowhere, right? It's like uh, Andrea, Andrea asked me 
something about like something about like why what i can't believe they like they they let like people like me like write theses and like maybe get a master's degree like like how like what use is going to be and i explained to him the thing is most people's like, you like that does, that doesn't matter because every because once every 100 years there a guy like Shannon will write write a master's thesis and it will pay for all the theses that you wrote <laughs> we exactly right? exactly yeah. our existence yeah. uh, is only there to make sure that people like Shannon have a chance <laughs> to write a master's thesis and exactly really so well. like the so like the, the the system is set up so that it it it, it its basic presupposition is that you don't know where the great ideas are going to come from so exactly. you're going to so you're going to hedge your bets on all the ideas and just count on the fact that something awesome will show up which exactly for, and this, for some reason it's kept showing up like this seems to be working somehow and it's this is the same reason that things like innovative research strategy uh, sorry innovative business strategies work well right yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. you invest in a ton of startups and you pray that you're going to get good, yeah. a couple of good ones out yeah, and they're yeah, going to pay yeah. off massively compared yeah. to a more conservative strategy where yeah. you would have like minor improvements okay what is information what is information yes. um So I'm actually I'm going to start by explaining the the idea behind information theory a bit. Yes. Talking about uncertainty and then about information okay. because really Perfect. the better perspective from at least a linguistic sense is to see information as a reduction of uncertainty. Yes, okay. Um so the idea is that I'm talking to you. I'm a sender. I have a message in mind that I want you to understand. Now your receiver you're trying to decode the signal i sent you which is communicated using a common code language that you know your representation of english might differ slightly from mine in your brain like you might have different experiences but there's a shared element and the problem is this is a noisy channel you don't know what i'm going to say um you might not pick up everything i'm trying to say perfect perfectly in like an acoustic sense there might be some uncertainty there but your idea is like I want to reduce uncertainty about what Peter's trying to tell me. You have no idea before I start a sentence. So there's a lot of things open. Um some there's some uncertainty reduction already because we're having a conversation. It would be very weird if I all of a sudden said like I want ice cream right now. That that sounds like an unusual thing to say in a conversation. That's cool. Like so one thing I found just a totally relevant tangent. Mm-hmm. But like so one thing I found was that there's a level of at which you can constrain uncertainty to foster a, some sort of creative output yep. like you need some sort of so even though the podcast when i sit down and talk to someone is i have no real plan right but having the structure that okay so the fact that i have already told you this is going to be a podcast has put something in, in this in, the, in a frame exactly. and i've also told you that i want to talk to you about some certain thing puts it in another another level of yeah. another level of uh, not of constraints so the uncertainty of what this uh, could happen what could transpire in our conversation is constrained by multiple layers of what we expect from exactly. expect from each other right like uncertainty reduction is a multi uh, multimodal process right? Right, right you're not just using language you're using the setting you're using the environment you're using everything you know about the world basically to right 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 yes try to 
try to get a sense of what I'm trying to. Right. So this is what I was thinking about. So this is this is why. So um, when I um, think about people in so people interacting in society, right? Like mm-hmm. just random people. Yeah. Um, when you're walking on the street, like we are. So most people think that we are actually cooperating with with each other, but. I sort of think of it as we are cooperating with the roles that we expect other people to play, which simplifies the pe- people down into certain things, right? So, like, if I had to go to a store, and when I go to a store, if I wanted to, every time, I, if every time I wanted to buy something from the clerk at the counter, mm-hmm. if I had to get to know him at a personal level, <laughs> right, like know his hopes and dreams and his past and his future, to buy. A pair of shoes that would be untenable, right? That's that's a really interesting thought, Elijah. I like that, and right. I like the fact like this probably works in the in the reverse way as well, right? Like you're behaving in a role, yes, to oh, make sure, sure to, yeah, to yeah, absolutely, simplify communication. Exactly. Right? So, like when I go to the show, when I go to the shop, I know he's gonna play the role of the storekeeper. I'm gonna play the role of a customer, and then already we are be, we are acting in a in a frame that limits the. Behavioral, behavioral repertoire of each person, and if either either of us has some sense, we will play those roles, and then it'll be all right. Exactly. Right. Things, but but this is this is also like this this connects in a very interesting way to certain social aspects as well. What happens if you all of a sudden break out of the expectations? Yes. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of surprisal, and that's something, for instance, comedians use a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They're like, okay, now I'm gonna say something that the audience definitely doesn't expect which has a comedic effect but you also see that usually the laughs follow the joke like a little bit later because all yes. of a sudden there's this huge amount of information processing yes 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 exactly exactly it's like it's like this dance between you if you have if it's too unconstrained it's, it's it, it can be anything that's too much chaos. that's too much we can't have sort of deal with that but if it's too constrained we know exactly what's going to happen next then we, it's no longer interesting exactly like if the if the listeners of this podcast would know exactly what the rest of the conversation is going to play out like yeah, yeah, yeah. they would completely tune out i mean they might anyway yeah yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. Who, who knows, knows? <laughs> but <laughs> i don't even know if it was exactly <laughs> but, but a, a certain level of surprisal or yeah. new information is necessary to yeah. keep being interested yeah and indeed like you said you need to you need to balance this in a way that yeah so um there's this so like some people so sometimes you have a conversation uh, with someone who is like so like you can predict literally what the next word is gonna be out of this person's mouth not only that like based on his, one of his beliefs you can pretty much guarantee he believes the exact same same things in everywhere else right that those kind of people to me are just like in insufferably boring i'm like jesus christ like there's no way but on the other hand <laughs> like andre right <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure andre is gonna like this podcast much no, i love no. you andre <laughs> andre comes up at least once in every podcast because like everyone knows him he's like, like he's a character in the story yeah, and <laughs> it's like a great like a great little like every time i have a think of example i think of andre like he's uh he's like he's very conscious about this right so like he he and i talk about this all the time and He's uh, he he brings us. He, he's he's a very dynamic person. Like he's I on a on a on a broad scale, I can predict his behavior. Like mm-hmm. generally, I know what's going to happen. 
But from a try moment, doing it on a <laughs> lower level. I know moment by moment basis, it's kind of hard. It's like ah, oh, this this guy could. <laughs> like, and that's exactly what makes him interesting to yeah, talk yeah, to, right? Yeah, like exactly. he loves playing. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's doing it deliberately. You know this, like, in a sense, like, in a sense, he is, but he's also like coalescing a pattern of behavior that you can say are the traits of a person. He's like, you know, it's like, it's like honest, reliable, you know, yep. like those are sort of aggregate long-term uh, tra- long-term descriptions that take into account multiple instances of behavior, right? Although in like, uh, although if I, if, 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 for example, I say Andre, meet me at uh, this time at in front of the restaurant, if, like on the way, on the way there, he found he like thought of something that he had, like some something amazing or something something amazing showed up. He'd be like, "Hey man, I'm gonna be there." I'm like, "Alright, fair enough." It's like the thing is, I expect that sort of thing already. So it's like, it's interesting. Like, um, okay, sorry, sorry. Do you, do you adjust to these expectations, Udesh? Man, do you do you adjust to the uncertainty? That's the thing. Like, uh, I I I asked uh, Marine when I was speaking to him, if it's possible to be addicted to a person, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this relates because I was thinking about in terms of, in terms of intermittent reward, like the uh, random ratio reward schedule, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. right? So it's like a, like a slot machine. Yeah. Like it, you don't know when it's going to reward you. It's not, the, that's the most re- reinforcing pattern of reward, right? Yep. When you have unknown rewards, yep. uh, random rewards. Um, so like some people I dated were like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, I couldn't, I couldn't adjust my, I couldn't get a hold of them mm-hmm. in the in the real world, real sense, meaning that I couldn't always, I couldn't predict their behavior to a level that made me feel like I understood what they were about, right? And the big part of understanding a system, like a person, is being able to predict their behavior consistently. How how did it, how did you experience that? Like the fact that you were anxious, to... anxious, anxious, right? Anxiety. Yeah, just exactly. Like, just like just super anxious all the time. Like, especially in a relationship. Yeah, right? yeah, Like exactly. you want a certain level of predictability. Whenever my phone went off, the text, like my, like my heart would just stop because like I don't know if this is gonna be a good minute. Like it could, and not because the distribution of the range of things that could happen is so wide for this for, for these people. It's like it could be awesome. It could be holy shit, something awful happened, or it could just be like, hey, what's up? And then think of the opposite right. pattern, right? Like you were saying, you need to you need to balance this correctly because if someone's completely predictable, exactly, you're not gonna find the relationship interesting or exciting so, anymore. So, like I asked Andre, I was like, man, so Andre and I walk around the forest all the time, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Andre, we've been doing this for about what two years now. How is it that we always have something to talk about? Like, wh- how is it that we do we have we walk we must have walked together. I don't know, hundreds of hours, now, mm-hmm. right? But every single time we have we have something to talk about. Like it's never like we have nothing to talk about. There's always something to talk about. And even if you're not talking, it's like it doesn't feel like there's no pressure for us to talk. You know, like we can just sit around wondering about stuff together. It's not a big deal. So there's some sort of generative process there. And I've also found that like if you're having a genuine conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. and if you're having a if you have if it's like a genuine person who is actually if you're actually seeing more than 
if you're seeing beyond the role that they have taken taken mm-hmm. in your life and they and you actually get to know the person the more you get to know them the weirder they are it's like it's like man that's so weird like but also the more interesting they're more interesting like like they're like but not chaotic it's not like it's like it's interesting it's weird because like it has to be in this it has to be this carefully curated amount of chaos right because if it's like all over the place it's you can't it's so anxiety provoking and we so we so I I want to talk about this paper the paper we read this which is why this episode mm-hmm. is interesting with a paper called a uh a entropy management model of uns- uh yeah. entropy no wait what the hell was it called anxiety but but the em entropy management model of of anxiety Right. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Right. Send me that paper. So yeah, so it's like so so modeling anxiety in terms of uh the explosion of possible explosion of behavioral possibilities for a give for a given circumstance. So you you're in a situation, you have a bunch of affordances that you can do and because your behavioral possibilities are not adequately constrained, your the amount of uncertainty defined as entropy is super high in any situation which yep. which a body perceives as anxiety and this is this is very interesting because for a normal like non pathologically anxious person um what you would perceive in normal situations is just like okay what's going to happen maybe this maybe this maybe a third option what you see a lot in people with anxiety is that they think through an enormous decision tree or probabilistic tree of options exactly. that might happen exactly that which might go like six levels deep oh, and that's terrifying right because once you realize the options are there the overload of information kicks in so one thing i learned was that so the okay i'll be honest the computational linguistics linguistics class the linguistic stuff i hate it like learning about adverbs and like that's horrible i can't I, it, like do shoot me man but you love the information right. theoretic or yeah so the most interesting part of this lecture or entire semester if mm-hmm. this is the only thing i learned in this class i'll be happy mm-hmm. it's like if you okay so you have a, you if if you want to let a little uncertainty into your life right you have to limit the range of poss- like the possible the number of possible things that you can, that can happen because mm-hmm. if you have one thing that's 90% certain mm-hmm. it's going to happen 90% of the time but you f- you have a billion other things each of which has a mm-hmm. 0.01 probability of happening mm-hmm. there's still it's way more likely that one of those unlikely things will happen than the likely thing because the the that well it, it it depends on the relative probabilities too right like right. if if really the likely thing is going to happen 90% of the time then yeah no no so like maybe maybe maybe, maybe but maybe i know what you mean this is the way language is designed in the sense that for optimal communication and reduction of entropy it helps to have some very frequent words and then a lot of low frequency words right yes that's like sort of the optimal distribution which is called like zips yeah so what i got from that is that like even if uh each thing on its own mm-hmm. each event on its own is unlikely there all are together so, they are all very together, likely all together all together they're very likely because yeah. there are so many of those things that can happen exactly right so that was like i was like holy shit right and I, i i was like thinking is that what i'm doing is like in my effort to be 
to not be too certain about my own knowledge of the my own world mm-hmm. have i let in in my effort to let a little uncertainty in i have let all of the uncertainty in. and so now i have no certainty about anything so i can't make any decisions right so and like, sometimes you have to right like yeah, yeah, for yeah. instance in language you have to let that uncertainty yeah, in yeah. otherwise you're just not going to be able to understand a high proportion of messages but yeah it creates this it's like you dive into a pit of endless information yeah it's like it's like you want to be a little unsure because that's how that's useful but somehow if you, if you if you become a little unsure it goes all like it just takes over immediately so it's like it's like okay no wait so you limit then everything even a lot of things even very un- even if individual even if one of those things is very unlikely a lot of unlikely things means it's more likely that an unlikely thing will happen than all the likely things which is not which is like not a way to live <laughs> no I'm, i'm just thinking you're going to fall asleep tonight there's going to be like a whole bunch of low frequency items under your bed those are your you monsters can't like you can't live you can't live like this right so I was, so like i was thinking even for so so when i applied to all these masters programs right or mm. when, I, when i was applying to those masters yeah. programs I was like okay so Tilburg is most likely mm-hmm. right but the so with, when I when I was starting that process I was super, I got, I'm very tuned now to know how, where my levels of anxiety are because like I've taken so many steps to keep that shit under control <laughs> it's like I know when it's getting out of hand and I've I've noticed at the start of every semester I feel super like I'm all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious because I don't know what the flow of things are. I don't know what things are expected. Like when the things are expected. I just, it's not, it takes about two, three, two weeks for me to like calm back down again. But the whole master's process was like for the past three years, two and a half years, I had I knew what's coming next. What's coming next? What's coming next? Then last semester came by. I was like, okay, now what's coming next? It's like holy shit. Yep. Bunch of this is exactly what I told you. Like at some point you can stop looking for programs because right. exactly. you're going to end up in a situation where making a choice is going to be impossible. Exactly. So I was like, holy shit, now what am like what what am I going to do? Right? But the moment I started putting constraints, you know, on mm-hmm. my on the possible outcomes, things started coming down. And you can say, okay, you have to have those have those uh, those constraints. So in the paper I just mentioned what they're saying is when you are nest so you because of the nested structure of your existence like in your culture in your family mm-hmm. or like your religion and in your career and your goals all these nested tr- structures act as forcing functions to limit the behavioral possibilities that you perceive so you are constrained your possibilities goes down which means not everything is equally likely to happen all the time some things are less likely some so you have a nice a nice distribution which is not perfectly flat that like says okay this is more likely less likely and even if you do even if you are naively thinking some things that can't happen will happen or mm-hmm. some things that you think will happen won't happen it doesn't matter it, even if it's just a even if it's just an illusion it serves to keep your anxiety exactly at, at a, exactly at a manageable level And this is this is probably one of the things that we're suffering with in modern times, right? Like daily life entropy has gone up tremendously over oh, yeah, the past sure. two, three decades. So, like, it's it's really blowing my mind the, the the degree to which I have 
applied this in my life without even thinking about it right so the best example is mm-hmm. my the forest app that i use to tra- keep track of everything mm-hmm. now an interesting feature about this app okay i don't know if this is intentional or not mm-hmm. an inter- feature of this app is you can only run one time at a time you set a tag of what you're doing and you mm-hmm. get a timer right and it's adding time to the thing got right? it so when that time is running in my head i'm like i can't do anything else because my app tells me <laughs> right so for that time i'm doing one thing at a time yep. so for that 90 minutes session or something whatever it is my behavioral behavioral output possibilities has is crushed to one thing it's like studying computer science or like studying uh, whatever it is now i do the same thing actually um whenever i'm working on research i just turn off my email i turn off everything around me because i can't have all of these things coming in i need for certain tasks you just need a full focus that so like and I, and you're talking about it so uh in the gym when I'm in the gym right mm-hmm. when you so when you're doing or when you're doing let's say I'm squatting or deadlifting or like or whatever it is right let's say I'm squatting uh, I'll wait the cut the weight of my back and I go down in that moment I think that is the purest moment of that is the lowest entropy moment of my day And how does how does that moment make you feel? Like calm. Exactly, right? right? Super, exactly. Super super calm. You need a certain amount of time every day yeah, where yeah, yeah, your yeah. entropy is not driving you nuts. Exactly. Like when I'm in that mo- when I'm in that position it's like I I only have one thing to do, get up. And those That's those it. are like the most pleasant activities in life, right? The things where there's just so calm. that. So calm. Like all I have to do is this. I'm just doing that. Like every rep is just pull like limiting that perceptual like limiting the behavioral output possibilities is mm. huge so like um so when I, when I look at how, how I structure my day and my week it's like okay I said I have to the, so a week starts I say I have I'm going to spend this amount of time working on productive school work mm-hmm. right and that already limits the amount of things that can happen right and it makes my decision making easier someone says hey man you want to go do this no sorry like but because because you you take the element of decision making pretty much out of your week right you yeah. do this beforehand yeah, yeah, you exactly. put it aside okay this this is the plan i'm going to stick with this and then all of your work just becomes incredibly yep. productive compared to otherwise so think about it right like i bought the same shirt in 10 different colors so i don't have to think about it anymore <laughs> oh you pulled right? a good old right? steve jobs i have the same pair of jeans in i have the three different colors of the same pair of jeans right i basically i eat ev- the same thing every night on weekdays because it's just like easier and, <laughs> and i didn't think about it right i was doing all this stuff i didn't think about it i'm like holy shit everything i've done what i've done is limit the behavioral po- output possibilities so everything is just crushing that entropy down as much as possible right i was like holy crap that's that makes sense right so like i was feeling all anxious and, and like and like the reason why this i guess is all this stuff works for an anxious person is that it limits the possibilities especially like if someone like me who is capable of thinking of all the possibilities it which which basically crushes you into, from from doing anything exactly right? it's it's you need to somehow channel that that capacity into something productive right exactly. and the way to do that is indeed to narrow down your your choices yeah, that's crazy it's like 
it's, it's amazing how 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 uh, perceptive the brain is of that state it's like it you have a built-in like a billion year old thing in your brain that's responding to this distribution of things that can happen can't happen right so randomness seems to be like a no is it random ran, ran, yeah randomness seems to be like this fundamental thing that the that the brain has been adapted against it's like not against but like as a as having to deal with because for example like I, I don't know why i i looked up randomly when the mechanism for fat storage evolved mm-hmm. like the mechanism to be able to store something as as energy mm-hmm. it evolved like super early on like hunt like billions of billions of billions, many billions of years ago right mm-hmm. so i was like holy shit so the first one of the earliest things biology realized was like oh shit we ha- we don't know when we're going to get this again <laughs> right <laughs> so we got to make sure we store it somehow that's crazy that's a crazy thing to come up with like randomness seems to be the fun like well i mean physicists don't think that right physicists think the the universe is basically deterministic so recently i've been thinking about trying to understand why can't we be omniscient right it's mm-hmm. like what are the what are the what are the limitations of physical law that prevents us from knowing everything already like mm-hmm. why do we have to discover things isn't that weird how how would you see the alternative like you're you're born with all the knowledge everything No, you're just born you know like everything a, already like what like why do we have to figure out things about the universe why do we have to why do we have to why like what is it what's preventing us from just knowing everything i don't know <laughs> like like there was a there was a linguistic theory actually well still still there's quite a few people who adhere to it i don't um by I don't know you you probably heard of his name uh, Noam Chomsky yeah yeah I know who uh, who believed exactly that that we were born with knowledge and had that knowledge available from birds about mm. how languages work ah oh, right yes innate grammar exactly yeah so you're not the only one who's thinking like why why can't we simply have that knowledge instead of having to build it up through experience yeah like like why do we have to discover things about quarks and like like why don't we already know these things Like isn't that weird? That seems like a strange bug in the system for me. It's like, <laughs> why do we have to go through all this trouble and pain and toil to figure stuff out? And part of the part of something that occurred to me was like, I was like, well, maybe knowledge. Because like, okay, if you take this computer, mm-hmm. it's made up made up of atoms and whatever the atoms are made mm-hmm. of, right? They're just a particular arrangement of those atoms. Exactly. Right. So. even that for but, but, but for it to exist there has to be some sort of reason for it to exist mm-hmm. to be in this particular order and i was like okay well maybe there ha- maybe knowledge doesn't just exist out there in the reality of physics it's just something that is sort of derived for some purpose to do something yep. i was like i was like okay well that's that sucks <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well also it's, it's just physical capacity yeah, yeah, limitations yeah. right like storing all of all of the world's knowledge in every person's brain yeah. would one be physically impossible probably and the other is it would be 
incredibly redundant yeah. because you probably only need like two percent of that knowledge. I asked ChatGPT why is it why why uh, what are the laws of physics that prevent us from being omniscient? What did it say? And he said and it basically said that like some uh, physical laws like um, like like uh, like quantum mechanical mechanical laws mm-hmm. like. Uh, the uncertainty, uncertainty principle and the the speed limit of light, so information can't get from one place to other places. The same. Like, I was like, "Huh, that's pretty interesting." And that's the thing too, right? Like, um, information changes all the time, in a sense. Like, a language is not a stable system; yes, it's yes. a highly dynamic system. You would still need to update whatever you were born with, and you would have a huge overhead of knowing all of the world's languages, whereas you only need like. Well, what's the language in Sri Lanka? A Sinhalese. Yeah, you would need you need that, and you would need English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about all. All you need, and you need a very specific subset of English. Yeah. Namely, the English that you need, like in your specific content, in your specific circumstances. There's like a ton of words you yeah. never need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, so. Uh, so okay, tell me if this is a good, 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 good explanation of mm-hmm. of of uh, surprise or like all the other level of information. I think mm-hmm. okay. So if I gave if if I gave you a bucket with balls in it, mm-hmm. right, with, with numbered balls in it, mm-hmm. right, and I tell you okay, the the numbers of the the numbers of the balls in this bucket mm-hmm. have uh, on average uh, have a mean of five. Mm-hmm. And a standard deviation of one. Okay. Right? And I was like, and I give it to you. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. And then you put your hand in there and you pull out a ball, right? And the ball is 10,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, that ball, from what I understand, is really informative. Yes. It's like, It's like, okay, this tells me something. Okay. This means the information that I already had that you told me was wrong. Like if what you told me was, dude, this is you know you know what's crazy? This has broken the way I can use my words. Like, what does it mean to say accurate, or like, what does it mean to say truth? Right? Okay, and it's fine. very precise in information theory. Yeah, yeah, theory. it's super precise. A lot of people get it wrong, and yeah, that yeah. completely sort of. That's why I have this like leads to a misconstruction. This of stops and starts. Like, okay, wait, no, I can't tell that it's wrong. I can't say it's <laughs> truth. It's like, I, I gave you a piece. Of, I gave you some some prior information. Mm-hmm. And then you pulled out and some, something very surprising. Something, yeah. something, something, something that which provides you with evidence that the prior information was not wrong. How do you how is it like wrong or well, like I, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on whether whether you assume that the prior information is an absolute law that's correct, in which case it would just be an incredibly unlikely event. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. Or you think from okay, statistics right, right, from right. a Bayesian perspective, where yes. the prior might be wrong. And yeah, exactly. So it's like so, given what you just observed, the what you just observed is extremely unlikely mm-hmm. given the prior information that you've been given. Yeah. Right. So what do you do in the circumstance? It's like, okay, well, that's basically statistics, right? This is, and this is, um, this is why, like fundamentally, this is why people have started looking into Bayesian statistics instead of like the standards frequency statistics, um, where it's assumed that whatever you know is prior information. Can uh, you, what's the difference between those two? Like just, just the difference uh, at, a, at a conceptual level, I'm not going to yeah, talk yeah. about like the... Because uh, it's a level. Yeah. Um, is basically that you take evidence into account 
for adjusting your ideas about what distributions look like. Okay. I mean, that's also an insanely powerful. It's such a simple formulation, but like... Like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you for dice. Like, a frequent yeah. is dice, no matter what happens, no matter what you throw, you're always going to assume that the probability of the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 are the same. Okay. In base statistics, you acknowledge that there is a possibility that your dice is not fair. Oh, such okay. that there are different probabilities for each number. So why would you? Obviously, that makes more sense. Why would you? Why would you use the frequentist one? Um, traditionally, because it's the easier way to do stats. Uh, right. um, okay. There's also sometimes where you want some like rigorous framework where you assume that something's true, such that you can get a better idea about what changes in other elements of the system would lead oh, to. All right. So I know the the master's program. There's an entire class on Bayesian, Bayesian statistics, Bayesian, yes. Bayesian stuff. I'm very looking forward to that one. You would find it fascinating. I'm, I'm very sure. much looking forward to that one. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> okay. Um, oh no, we, we got, got so this idea of prior. So that's that's how I explain. Uh, that's what I, that's how I explain surprise to people when they ask mm -hmm. me. It's like if you had a ball, if you had a bag of things, and I told you some prior information. And you pulled out a ten thousand. It's like how that is super unlikely. Yeah. But if you if I gave you that, and you kept pulling out fours and fives and sixes mm -hmm. and sevens and fours mm -hmm. and fives, you're like, okay, well. What? Right. I was just thinking, by the way, Udesh, you yeah. must have an enormous uh, bowl of balls <laughs> because you said the mean was five, and yeah. then you found a ten thousand one. Exactly. For the mean to be that low when yeah. you have a ten thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, what, I'm, what I'm illustrating is like what I, the information I gave you it makes no sense. Exactly. Right. It's like it's like what given what you just what you just experienced, the prior information that I gave you is. Yep. Exactly. The it's no. You specified the distribution, not the sample. Exactly. I guess, it's, yeah. it's like what it's like. Okay, if what you told me was remotely accurate, then this wouldn't have happened, right? Yep. But if you kept putting your hand out, it's like just like fours and fives, and like oh, well, yep. all right, fair enough. Like. Um, uh, but it's not so I'm, I'm trying to link the idea of being informative mm -hmm. and being surprising right because yes. getting fours and fives in the situation threes and fours is not very informative it's not very informative it's not very surprising it's like, okay that's what I expected to happen right no exactly so is the information content uh, preconditioned on what you already know is it, or does it matter that's what I'm confused about Oh, that's that's a good question. Actually, it is it based it is based on the distribution of possible events, right? Yes. Like all right, and the, the, information, and the prior limits the distribution exactly right. Distribution. Like if the uh, the amount of information in me throwing a one on a dice is relatively low, given that I know that all of the dice throws are equally likely, um, so whether or not something is surprising depends on my prior knowledge about the distribution of properties, right? Right, right, right. Okay. So if I have a different distribution of something than you, then what might be non-surprising to me could be very surprising to you given differences in previous experience. Right, right. Okay, so that's what I usually say. Like, okay, so that's surprise. So, so surprise, the, yeah. the, and that's what that's what is shown in that one in that in that one over uh, so yes, log base exactly. to yep. graph, right? It's yep. like if like the more unlikely. <clears throat> The more unlikely the outcome that you the that, that you observe, the more information it contains, because surprises, yep. right? 
I was like, oh man. Like, like if you were to give an example idea. in this podcast that was about a student and the student was not Andre. Yeah, yeah. That would be surprising. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's very, uh, it's very unlikely that it's, it's anybody <laughs> other, other than him. Um, okay, cool. I'm glad I have some handle on that idea because I thought I thought that I thought that that idea was like I. It's, you know, you know how like some ideas just sort of like catch you and they like, and, mm-hmm. and they just don't let you go. It's like, and I was like, man. Either this there's is actually there's actually one concept I I would like to talk about briefly, which is yeah. what what exactly is a bit. Okay, yes, yes. Because yes. this is something that, definitely do that confuses people sometimes. It definitely confuses me as well. So let's let's play a game. Okay. Uh, th- you, let's let's say there's 128 students in okay. your cohort. Yes. It's not the exact number, but I needed to be a power of two to be able to, yeah. so to be able to have nice round numbers. Let's say okay. there's 128 students. Yes. And now I want you to think of one. Like, don't pick Andre this time, but think of someone I know. Yes, okay, fine. Uh, In your cohort. Yes, got it. And now I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'm going to make these questions, try to split the group in half. So each time I can eliminate half the students so I can reduce my uncertainty by a factor two. Gotcha. So is the student a male or female? Female. Okay, female students. So that eliminates like half the guys. Yes. Uncertainty reduced. Uh, Have 64 left. Yeah. So... Gonna ask you another question. Is this an international student or a Dutch student? International student. 32 left. Okay. So we're, we're gonna reduce it like that. The numbers are obviously not gotcha, correct, gotcha, but that's gotcha, the idea. Gotcha, gotcha. And I can yeah. keep doing this yeah. until I end up at one student. Yes. I don't know any more binary like that. I would split the group evenly. Yeah. So you're gonna have to tell me who you thought of in a moment. But yeah. the idea is that in order to be able to pick one from 128 students, I'm gonna have to ask questions seven times. First, I go to 64, then 32, then 16, then 8, 4, 2, 1. So that's seven questions for me to get from 128 to one. Those seven questions mean that there is seven bits of information in me finding out how which which of the students you're referring to out of the 128. Is it two to the? It's two to the power seven. seven yeah. Um, so basically, the number of bits is the number of questions that split the group into two that I would need to ask to go from the initial set, like the initial uncertainty, to just one to just completely reduce uncertainty mm. so a bit okay. a bit is basically just it one the number of the number of binary questions i need to ask to find out the information that would be the number of bits okay when why binary questions um in reality these are not binary questions right like yeah. i won't be able to split the group in half like you just saw i at some point i don't know how to ask a question anymore what that means is that the actual number of bits is higher once I can't make these binary questions, binary questions are the optimal way to split, right? Like it reduces the uncertainty in an optimal manner. If I just ask right away, um, is this, uh, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of, uh, <laughs> is this Sally? Let's say that was, okay. that was the first question I asked. Yeah, yeah. Then your answer is probably going to be no, which means I have 127 left. Very bad strategy. Uh-huh, so see, the optimal see, strategy is to keep splitting it in half. I see, I see, I see, I see. If you ever play the game Guess Who, I don't know if yeah, you know yeah, this. Yeah, but, but like, like, can't you do better than half? No. Huh. Half, is, half is the optimal strategy. Oh, wow. When you deviate from that, because you can't ask a question that splits in half, you lose questions, therefore you increase the uncertainty. Like you increase the number of questions you need to ask. So the best case scenario is that you split the options in half? Yeah. But like... All right, yeah, okay. I mean, sometimes you're going to be better. Once in a while, you win by by guessing Sally every time as yeah, the first, yeah, as yeah, the first yeah, student. Right, but right, 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 
on average, you're gonna need more questions by using that strategy. In right. fact, like if you if you always ask one student, right, you're gonna need okay. a whole lot of questions. So if you have a okay, let's okay, if you have a if you have a coin, a mm -hmm. fair coin, yeah, that's fifty fifty, mm -hmm. right? That is. Like that is a really good example because the entropy of that is one bit. One bit. How how can we know that? Well, if we do, uh, if we apply the formula of entropy, which is uh, minus log p times log, uh, sorry, minus the log of p times the probability. Yes. You sum yes. them. You yes. sum them up. You yes. end up at one. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's exactly that's a good example of what one bit would be like. Flipping a coin, there's one bit of information in the outcome. Okay, now if the coin is biased, mm -hmm. right? So a fair coin is maximum entropy. Yes. Because it could be either one. Yes. Heads or tails. Yes. A biased coin, let's say that flips heads 60% of the time and mm -hmm. tails 40% yeah. yeah. of the time, is lower entropy. Exactly. Because you have some prior expectations. Those prior expectations are going to lead you to make more accurate predictions. Namely, you're going to be right 60% of the time. You just always guess the sides. That's more likely. Therefore, it's lower entropy, right? Like if I guessed out of students and I didn't tell you not to pick Andre beforehand, it would have been it would have been a good choice to base my guesses on that. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh man, that's interesting. Huh. So like, oh, that's that's cool. Okay. So let's say the more. I know about what outcomes are likely mm -hmm. the less entropy. Well, the, the the more uneven the probability distribution. Ah, yes, okay. The, the more uneven, okay, right. Yeah, I mean, you could know a lot. You could know that it's a uniform distribution, like you said, like heads and tails. Uh -huh. being equal. Like, then it's still maximum entropy. Maximum entropy, right, right. But the more they differ... And that's why, that's why, for instance, language is designed in a way where there's a few very high-frequency options and then many low-frequency options. They're not equally likely because otherwise you would end up in, a, in an entropy hell. So just knowing about the distribution is not enough. It's about the distribution itself. Like exactly. What, it's about the distribution what's itself. The, what the outcomes are actually yes. possible to be. And then, of course, it's important that your representation of the probability distribution, your knowledge about it, is accurate, right? Like if... I end the sentence again at some random. Now you need to have <laughs> yeah. now you need to have an expectation about what the next word's gonna be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the more accurate your representation is, the lower your entropy, right? Like if you're if you're very unsure, you don't have a lot of experience with the way that I build sentences, you're gonna be very uncertain about what my next word's gonna be. Right. The more you know me, the better you're able to estimate the actual probability distribution, which is very <laughs> non uniform. Right. So this is like saying it's it's not enough, like knowing someone knowing that someone is a, is a schizophrenic doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is what Ant, this is what Shannon refers to as the shared code. <laughs> we need to have a shared code, basically. Right? It doesn't yeah. help because like the because the actual distribution is so nuts. Exactly. <laughs> that exactly. It, that it doesn't help knowing that, that, that this person is. There. Well, I I don't know if I don't know like just to to nuance this a bit. I don't know if schizophrenic people would necessarily have a less predictable yeah, probability yeah. No, distribution, no, but just, I get the idea, right? Yeah, if yeah, someone yeah, is completely yeah. unpredictable, then... Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like everyone has a 
certain range of delu- like delusion <laughs> delusion <laughs> that they like to that, that, that they like to uh like to um, what's it uh, to entertain but um that's cool that would be incredibly tiring right like yeah, if yeah, you're exactly. having if you're having like you said earlier like if you have a relationship with someone who is very unpredictable a high percentage of the time that's an incredibly tiring day-to-day life because you're constantly living in the world of yeah, and your more brain, uncertainty and your you brain want. likes predicting things. Your brain exactly. likes being able to predict things accurately. And it doesn't like being wrong all the it time. It doesn't like being wrong all the time. It sucks. <laughs> like, because that, that takes energy. Every time, every time you have to rebuild the neural connection, I, I feel like that's exactly. super, super, super energetic, right? That's what it is, right? It's not just the processing. It's not just trying to recover what I was actually trying to say, taking more time because there's higher entropy. It's also, every time you make a wrong prediction, you're going to have to update your beliefs that takes extra work as well like it it takes readjustment of your neural connections so, so okay so let's say you let's say you have the reading the reading you've been assigned before a lecture right mm-hmm. does it make more sense to go to the lecture without having <laughs> done the reading or cuz let's say let's say let's say Oh, no, but it, no, no, no. I think it helps to go up because then it, it constrains the possibilities of what the lecturer is actually meaning. Right? It depends what your goal is, right? If your goal is optimal understanding, I would definitely recommend studying beforehand. Right, if right. your goal is staying awake because you need enough surprisal. Then, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you're like, holy shit, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> what is this guy talking about? <laughs> and you could about? do it the other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, that's cool. But like, yeah, so, um, but so even if you know your brain, yeah, yeah your brain is constantly trying to trying to like like homeostatically help you be a better predictor right yes it's like let's say you know someone is unpredictable then you just adjust the behavior to know that okay i can't predict this person and i can't count on this person to do what i do what they say they're gonna do so then you just what's the what's the default answer just don't don't expect them to do anything and you know where this starts playing a role udesh like um you might have noticed this already like uh the older you get, mm. the harder it gets to memorize people's names. Why is that? I don't know. The reason is you know more people. Oh. It just becomes, like the entropy becomes enormous right, as right, you start right, to, like right. for me, it's, it's so incredibly many, hard yeah, to yeah. remember students' names because there's, there's so like a thousand so many, of them. So many, so many of them. Yeah, yeah. You've been like, you met so many of them. It's I knew everyone when I was a kid. Like yeah, it was yeah, no exactly. problem. I knew people's phone numbers by yeah. heart. Exactly, exactly. But try doing that for a group of a thousand students. Yeah, 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 that's true. So even so, this comes down to like so. So, so this I was, I was also thinking about it in terms of um, uh, making choices. Now, like like you said, it's hard, right? Like 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 on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, it's <laughs> exactly. It's it used impossible. to be so easy. There's like three movies on TV tonight. Yeah. Make a choice. Yeah. So now I'm using this filter where it's like, okay, if this was on, if this was just on TV and I had no other choice, would I watch it? And the thing is, most of the shows, most of the things on Netflix, they actually pass their test because it's like they're actually all really good. But if you put them, if you try to compare them to every 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 single other show on there, then they all fail because like it's so the fear of missing out is basically a state where the reward for any one behavior is underspecified. I feel like. It is, yeah, and or, or well, yeah, it, it's almost like the way you describe it. Like there's nearly equal rewards for too many options, right? Yes, exactly. And then it becomes it becomes almost irrelevant which one you pick. 
And that's something we don't really deal with very well. Yeah, so I, I, someone told me that there is a shuffle play option on Netflix. I, for the life of me, I cannot find it. But <laughs> apparently there is, and I'm going to find it now. Because like, that would be awesome. Because like, just play me the thing you think I should, I, I, I'm most likely to want to watch. It's problem solved. So like, in a sense, so, you know, people, you know, there's a lot of uh, worry and like people complain about algorithms and like what they mm-hmm. do but like we've, we i think we've come to a point where the options space is so large that we just it just wouldn't be feasible to to navigate without these algorithms like youtube how the hell do you like i love my youtube algorithm it's like my it's a, it's a, it's a great friend I, i've taken you trained it well yeah i've t- i've taken great care to, <laughs> to 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 prune it and to so it knows what i like what i want to see not what i like I pruned it to <laughs> to give me things that I should want to like. I'm afraid I don't have that kind of algorithmic hygiene. No, like I'm very so like if I, if, if, if I want to watch something completely preposterous like top ten LeBron James, you plays, log out. I go to I, I open a, open an incognito tab and I, I watch it right. If I if like if it shows me something that is de- so interesting to me, like like on the algorithm, I just I don't click the link. I look at the name and I open a new tab incognito and I open and <laughs> look it up there. Because I don't want you to learn. I don't, I don't want you to do. I don't want you to know who I am right now. I want you to know who I want to be and recommend things that I want that person to see. Right? <laughs> so now it's really good. Like it shows me like two minute papers. Uh, it shows me like uh, 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 randomly it'll show me lectures from like MIT and like random uh, like uh, conferences. I'm like, ah, oh, good. Good algorithm. But it's interesting, right? Like, if you don't do that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it ends up being a reflection of who you are. Exactly. And I don't like who I am. I mean, ex- like, I mean, exactly. Like, like these, There's, these, it's, it's sort of like, it's it's like a mirror that's really non-flattering a lot of times. Exactly. Time. Like, it's like, so this is, oh, this is great. Because, okay, if, let's think about the algorithm, what it's trying to do, right? Let's just take YouTube as an example. It wants to maximize engagement. Like, you, it wants to keep you watching YouTube as much as possible. Okay. And why are they doing that? Because they have advertisements, mm-hmm. right? And you want to show people advertisements. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the best, so the better you you get at predicting what they want to watch, mm-hmm. the better you can target the advertisements, right? And the more effective it is, right? Okay. Now, there's a step you can take that's better than prediction. Mm-hmm. It's like you change the way that person thinks so that your prediction gets better, mm-hmm. right? So the more you... So first step is trying to understand the person and predict better. Next step is to actively change the way, change what the person wants which in turn makes your prediction almost 100% perfect. Right? This is amazing, Udish. I love this. And yeah. the reason I love this is um, one of the fundamental issues in human communication is how do we arrive at a shared code, mm. one that we can both understand. Yeah. And what you're saying is the first step is for the algorithm to learn your code, right? That's, it's learning, it's learning. But it's now sending back to you, right? Such that you start sharing the algorithm's code. Exactly. Yes. It's starting to it's starting to impose its way of thinking on your perception of the world and your beliefs. It's influencing your code. Yep. 
And it's driven by how, like, it's a mutual process, right? Like, the way in which it adapts your code is how it adapted its code to you. But nonetheless, you are starting to be, you notice it very strongly, right? Like, once YouTube starts suggesting you certain videos, your thought about the world change, your yes, ideas exactly. about what you want to see next change. It's like, so So now, now I'm realizing it's like, okay, what you want, because if you just, if you do that, it it tries to make, it just, it, it's, it optimizes for the person you are right now, right? Yes. And that's not my not always thing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to optimize for the person that I actually, I'm going to make an aspirational algorithm, right? That's like, shows me stuff that I should want to watch. And that's, that's ex you're doing this expressly, right? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah, yeah, is exactly. incredible. No one does this. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's super hard. You're slightly weird for it. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> Ideally, this would be the optimal yeah. algorithm design, right? Yeah, to yeah. make it move, make it make you move in a direction that you feel is desirable. Like for me, like I actually like the like that like the ad, like the ads it shows me. I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty cool. I, I actually want that because like they actually make sense because like they're like they're like you know sometimes it'll be like. VPNs, a lot, a lot of VPN stuff, mm -hmm. uh, um, like uh, you know, like tech stuff, like um, better productivity stuff, um, better like health stuff, like like all kinds of stuff. I'm like oh, that's pretty neat. I don't, I'm not I'm not mad at that. It's not like chips and coke and stuff. It's fine, <laughs> right? So like um, stuff that I actually want to be want to be informed about, which is which is cool. Um, it's not perfect, obviously, but because the mm -hmm. only thing is like because of the research that I'm doing, a lot of Dora. Right, so like the thesis, a lot of videos about Dota, which is fine. But so, it's like you're having a conversation with the algorithm, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like if you're talking to Andre, it's yeah. very nice, it's very informative. Yeah, it's, no, yeah. it's never perfect. Yeah, because, exactly. Well, you're calibrating the code, you're fine-tuning it to yeah, yeah, yeah. arrive so at Netflix, a shared code, yeah. but it will you, never be exactly the same. Exactly. But like, so Netflix has a much smaller repertoire of things that it can offer, right? So yeah. it's not amazing. It's more of just like a collaborative filtering situation going yeah. on there, which is nice. Like, I don't mind that. But it's, but it it doesn't have the the power that YouTube has because YouTube has such a large repertoire to choose from that you can really make an individualized like nice algorithm. And there too, it. it's like this balancing again, right? Like yeah. you don't want to watch exactly the same thing you watched before because yeah. I would have zero information. Yeah, you don't exactly. want to watch something that's too different. Yeah, that would be too much information and exactly. probably something you're not. Yeah, the, I don't know why there's no option on Netflix to to say I've seen this before. <laughs> like I've watched this. Like take it off. It's like an big. entropy slider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> like this is like low entropy. Like, like too low. Like like go with the next one. Go with the next one. But there isn't. There's like they just show you like what the most. Thing you might like to watch the first, and I'm like, I've seen all of these before, man. Come on, it um, it would be really that. That's probably the next step in these kind of designs, right? Yeah. Like, get a feeling of how much you want new suggestions to be different from what you've already seen. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, uh, well, I, was, I was about to say, ah, it slipped my mind. But anyway, um, recommendations. Uh, and I feel it's doing this gradually, yeah. right? Like the first recommendations are things that are very similar. It yeah. gradually moves away yeah, from that yeah, yeah. to something that's way too dissimilar where I'm starting to wonder like, how do you arrive at, at this suggestion based? Like on a, like uh, you, uh, Spotify and Apple Music does a better job because again, they have a much bigger repertoire of things to yep. choose from. Like, I don't know how to think about it. Like I just pick the mood I'm in and I pick the thing and it is always like phenomenal. I'm like, like... <laughs> This is exactly what I want here right now. This is great. Like I'm like, holy shit, this is so good. Like, you know what I mean? Last thing I want to do is sit around looking on, like trying to understand these things, right? 
So like, but it's 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 the problem set, right? Like yeah. on YouTube, I find my music suggestions are also fairly useless. Yeah, yeah. Like like sometimes I, like I, I like more often than not, I I I find myself saying, "Damn, Spotify." You really knocked this out of the park today. Like, <laughs> like you know, these are recommendations that are, are legit. So, like, it uh, it's really interesting. Like, um, uh, so I was thinking, I, I spoke to, uh, I was talking when, when I was speaking, spoke, uh, speaking to Chris. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about like, okay, so these algorithms are trained in vacuums, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a YouTube algorithm trained train on YouTube. There's a Twitter algorithm trained on Twitter. There's a Instagram algorithm on, on Instagram. So we evolved in an environment with other human beings who are, whether they like it or not, are dampened by the network around them, right? So like mm-hmm. I, think of, I think of my network as um, uh, dampeners or like, like, like waiting functions. Basically, I think, of people, people, pe- pe- I think of people around me like a Gaussian filter, yeah. right? So I'm the center of this. I'm the I'm the, I'm the center pixel, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. just getting Gaussian blurred by everyone around, mm-hmm. me. <laughs> right? No, it makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. So like uh, humans, how, how, when was the last time you met a met a human being that's never met that, that's never met another human being in, in their life before? That's never happens, right? It's impossible. Like where it's not it's like unless something horrific, something yeah. unless something truly horrific has happened to this person, or you're mm-hmm. or you're in a cult, or you're a Scientologist. <laughs> That's a whole, <laughs> then, holy yeah, shit! Well, that's yeah. a whole thing. Like I was listening to a podcast, and I was like, "What the actual fuck?" Anyway, but it's interesting, right? Because you, you're mentioning cults, which are experienced to us as as very, very different people, right? Yes. Um, but if you look at the the overall picture, they're still very, very similar to us in many, many ways. They show we notice the differences, but if you look at it like compared to Compared to apes, yes, they're a lot more similar to oh, us, yeah, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yes, there's certain things that are still very similar there, which tells us something about how we need to, even though we experience them very different. Like as humans, we need to have some sort of shared ideas about the world. And interestingly, there there is some some evidence, right, that the code we develop is one that makes us as a species advance. Mm. So there's some underlying principles that derive where the code can go and cannot go in the sense that it needs to allow us to function as a society as a whole. Yes. And the difference in cults are obviously usually not beneficial to how people function in the society as a whole, but they're still a lot more similar to us than we would like to acknowledge. So why I brought this up is because like, okay, so once you're in a cult or you're like some horrific, you're stuck in a well mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. right? You have other humans who are dampening your yes. behavioral, behavioral repertoire by culture, religion, whatever it is. Like they're they're, they're, modul- they're modul- modulating it, right? Mm-hmm. But now we are in this weird place where there are these other agents yes. who are built in a complete vacuum that have no idea about... They have no idea about about each other, right? So when Microsoft released Tay on Twitter, there's the Twitter algorithm and then the, built on Twitter. And there's Tay, mm-hmm. this AI language thing built on complete language, like by itself in mm-hmm. some silo somewhere. Then you put them together in the space, and then all hell broke loose, and like it became immediately the most racist, awful thing in the world. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, fair enough, right? Because that interaction is a very novel interaction. Okay, so I was thinking, 
So we've never we've never been in a situation before where we are now interacting with agents who have not been dampened by any of the other agents around it, and they're just like sort well, of. Well, they, they've not been dampened by agents of the same nature. Yes. Right. The algorithms are not affected by each other, but they're affected by interactions with humans. Right. Yeah, the, the way the, they're just learning systems that pick up. I'm just talking, I'm just thinking about the environment in like uh, because. I'm just thinking about me in mm. the environment and now there's so the agents that I'm used to having in my mm. environment plus what I'm perceiving as these new kinds of agents mm-hmm. that aren't exactly changing the way they behave in response to the other agents that I'm interacting with. Do you get what I mean? It's like it's like this. It's like like okay. So this you have. So you have this uh, Twitter algorithm, mm-hmm. right? That 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 shows you tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of. So now when I'm interacting with Twitter, I'm interacting with this agent. I know that this is like terrible. I don't know, but mm-hmm. like, this is how I yeah. think about it, right? Yeah. I'm interacting with this agent. Okay. No, I think that's actually. I think that's not terrible in any way. I think that's very accurate. Okay. But yeah, continue. Uh, um, and there are people like so you you me my friends my family, mm-hmm. people and people around me right okay i'm interacting they are, so i have interactions with them which means like i have can i i have links going out from me to them that sends bank information back and forth mm-hmm. i'm link i have a link going on from me to twitter that's back and forth and the people that i'm linked to in my net in in the physical world mm-hmm. are also linked to other people Right, okay. Yeah. So, but the link I have to Twitter, it's not and my the, the Twitter algorithm and the YouTube algorithm and the Netflix algorithm and the Spotify algorithm. Mm-hmm. There, I I perceive them as being in a vacuum where like they are not communicating with each other at all or other people. Am I are, wrong? Are they not communicating with other people? I guess they are. They're right? probably fine tuned in yeah, the way. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. In true. a way, they're almost like people with an incredibly large network that's right? true yeah yeah and what that means is i guess this is they don't have the same network you have right i they, guess your network is a subset a very small subset of yeah, their network yeah, yeah yeah that's true i guess this is what kind of google wants when you when they want you to sign in with every sign into everything with google because like they then they have more and more context and you have more and more connections to everything that you're doing no, no, I was just thinking about like, okay, is there something there? Like, 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 like is there something about the fact that um, we have these agents that have been developed in a very different way to, to how we've been developed? And then, then, but then, I guess we don't interact with them in the wild, right? They're, but it, it, it really, that's, in many ways, they're very different from us, right? Yeah. Like, their experiences are different. They're limited to specific modalities. Yeah. Um, but the fundamental mechanisms by which they learn which like if they operate mm. on the basis of artificial neural networks yeah, 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 yeah. those share at least some similarities with the way in which we learn about the world around us right their their learning mechanisms may be very different in some ways but may be very similar in others mm. in the sense that the better they learn in the way that we humans learn about the environment around us the more shared the code's going to be the better their recommendations are going to be right 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 so the, 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 like what i was thinking was like the objective functions are mm-hmm. very limited, right? Like mm-hmm. Twitter has one objective function. Yeah. YouTube has one objective function, yeah. right? 
which don't which i guess i are embedded in the objective functions of like the business of mm-hmm. like of the whatever yeah. it is um but if you, if you put them in a situation i guess they are not in a situation i'm thinking about something like something like like the paper clip optimizer right mm-hmm. you make a ai thing that i was like you, you tell it to make as many paper clips paper clips as possible mm-hmm. and it ends up it ends up enslaving the universe to make a giant paper clip machine right <laughs> okay okay yeah. I, i see i see i see the, i see where where, where my where, okay that's the logical end of my thinking like okay okay yeah I, I just want to. What what time are we at today? It's yeah, holy shit! It's an hour and eighteen minutes. But yeah, so I think I should wrap this up because like usually it's like. I think that the the reason I ask is not because I want to end this conversation. I would yeah. love to talk for hours. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's movement in the hallway oh, that okay. might well, be an entity that's waiting for my presence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, but uh, you want to check just in case. I I'll, let me take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Cool. Okay, we'll wrap this up. Uh, it's anyway usually it's like usually it's like hour and hour and a half max before my, my brain stops working properly but man okay this has been good i i really enjoyed this conversation with oh, as i said i would have loved to talk about like yeah yeah, yeah. i we'll don't do, know how many more topics but we'll do this again we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, but i think the information theory was a nice little wrap up to keep us like semi constrained it was nice to like talk about this stuff in that topic. yeah i'm i'm not sure i'm not sure it functioned as a constraint as At much all. as it perhaps yeah, should have but <laughs> it was a nice conversation but it's good like like um, no cuz this is the kind of things that i like to think about and uh, every time i have a conversation with you conversation with you like this i always think to myself holy shit which it recorded and there's there's I, one thing we haven't we haven't talked about yet and i'm just going to i'm just going to do a random guess yeah. about the identity of the student that we were oh okay go ahead was this uh, gabby no it was serena Serena, yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. nice, nice. I wouldn't, have, yeah. Um, that was one. Okay, we definitely do this again. Uh, next time, I'll, yeah. So many things, so many things we touched on that we didn't really go down. Like we could have gone down so many, so many tangents. But uh, I think that was good. That like I'm, gl- I just wanted to uh, get to see if my intuitions about like sharing information and uh, like what it means to be surprised were. good and correct and seems like they are right so what do you think all good i i think i think it was a nice conversation and, and i also think it's one that i would love to continue with some other point actually okay because, for sure yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll pick it up next time thanks nice. peter thanks so much Udash. yeah for sure see you later This has been a One Deeper Podcast. Thanks for joining and I hope you learned something. Catch you again next time.